the latest episode of the First Day Pod. My name is Michael Govier, and along with my wonderful co-host, Leanne Hello, we are thrilled to present you with today's guest, Bryce Weiler. Bryce works with several organizations, including the Baltimore Orioles, to help improve access and opportunity for people living with disabilities. Bryce was born with blindness, and he has used that as a launching pad to help other people with disabilities around the country. Access and opportunity are still a big issue for those living with a disability. You can learn more about this at Bryce's website, beautifullives.org. There's definitely a piece of actionable information that you can apply in your own life from this episode. And now it's time for the First Day Pod. everyone welcome to the latest episode of the first day podcast that is correct it's gonna be a fun show tonight we're gonna learn a lot and hopefully something about ourselves that's what we do here on the first day pod wisdom education and empowerment i am here with my co-host leanne hello hi leanne how are you doing hi i'm good how are you i'm great i'm excited for tonight's guest who is Me here too. with us he is coming to us live via the internet, just like every other episode we ever do. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's no, maybe it'd be cool if we ever did like a non-internet episode. I would, I'd be down with that, but you know, One this day. is how things work now. That's cool. So I want to introduce Mr. Weiler. Bryce Weiler is the co-founder of the Beautiful Lives Project, the Baltimore Orioles disability consultant, and the blind sports analyst. Please give it up and welcome Bryce Weiler to the show. Bryce, how you doing? Hi, Michael. Hi. Hi. Leanne, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's an honor to be able to speak with you about the various things I've done to help people with disabilities to live their dreams. I'm so excited to have you here, Bryce. This is going to be so good. Okay. Yes, this is a real pleasure. Bryce, what, what, is the one, what is the one thing you focus on when you're working with the people? Is there like one thing that stands out like, hey, this is my job? Or it just depends on the situation. Could it be different things depending on uh, the type of... I don't know, uh, program you're working with. Mm, so I don't entirely understand the question, but I'll try to answer it the best that I can. I suppose sure. whatever type of a program that I'm working on, whether it's hiring people who have disabilities, making social media more accessible, giving people with disabilities the opportunity to take part in life-changing events and programs, I will do anything that I can to teach the staff that I'm working with so that they can become an expert on whatever the subject matter might be. I guess what I more directly is what I'm saying, what is one of the biggest myths about people living with disabilities and the work and working? What do you, th what is one of the biggest myths out there? Mm, it's not necessarily a myth. Just people don't want to give people who have disabilities the opportunity for a good job and for, being able to have or being able to be a part of of the um, world as a whole, um, mainly because they don't properly know how to run a, a hiring program and how to make all jobs accessible for people of all um, disabilities. Yes. See, I uh, am working on my master's in mental health counseling, and I took a class specifically about people living with disabilities in the workforce and how... There's so many assumptions are made. Like a lot of people, for example, this was one that stood out a lot that we covered a few times. People come back from Afghanistan or Iraq or they're veterans. It is Memorial Day weekend, by the way, so it makes sense that I would mention this as well. 
And they might have had, maybe they lost uh, an arm or an amputee, or they just have a PTSD. They could have a disability that they got as a result of their combat. But people assume that they should fit right into a role of like a police officer or a security guard or some type of authority figure when a lot of times that's not what they want to do at all, but that's the only type of job they can get. Does, Does that sound familiar? Does that make sense? It makes sense for that segment, but for people who have disabilities, they often aren't given a chance to get many even jobs of that high level caliber. So often it's customer service jobs or things like that when they have such a greater skill level, they're just not given that opportunity to to show that skill level. So in some ways it's the same, but in others it's not. Makes sense. How about for our audience, how about we start off a little bit about you? Because we now kind of know who you are, but how did you kind of, because you are doing, you've got some amazing titles behind you of what you're doing with your life right now. How did you kind of get here? Um, And just like right from the the beginning, you were born blind, correct? This I was born four months premature and due to either too much light or too much oxygen when I was in the hospital, it caused the retinas in my eyes to detach, which caused me to be blind. Oh, okay. Okay. And then, um, so can you tell us a little bit about how you got into, because this is, for me, it's phenomenal that what you're doing right now. So tell us a little bit about what it is that you are doing and how you got into it, if you don't mind. I got into sports through listening to games on the radio, listening to Brian Barnhart commentating football and basketball for the Fighting Illini, and Don Fisher commentating Indiana Hoosiers football and basketball. It was through those two broadcasters that I really got interested in sports. When I was in college, I was able to sit on the the men's basketball bench thanks to the coach at my uh, university uh, who gave me the opportunity to sit on his bench, and that gave me the chance to experience sports and to be around uh, college basketball, which which really changed my life. Um, graduated in 2014, then I went to graduate school at a different uh, university, which which was a lot tougher for me because they didn't really give me the opportunities that they promised that they would because they didn't think that I could do things since I can't see. So I graduated from there in 2016. And then I just started um, emailing and contacting pro sports teams to see if I could help make stadiums more accessible or to set up programs where people can play on the field with sports teams. And that's how I got started helping uh, Baltimore's baseball team as their um, disability consultant. That'll be five years that I've been helping them once, once June starts on Tuesday. And I've helped them to become the first team in sports to wear Braille on their jerseys to show the importance of people Mm. who are blind learning how to read Braille. I've also done training for their ushers and their staff of how to assist and accommodate people who have disabilities. I've been working with them to make their social media and their website more accessible for all disabilities. So I got that job just by contacting their uh, team president and just sharing with him what I wanted to do to do to help people with disabilities be able to live their dreams. And I also have my nonprofit as well. And I I contacted um, our other co-founder back in 2017, and he gave me the opportunity to help people of all disabilities to live their dreams in sports and a wide range of programs throughout the country. And our nonprofit is called the Beautiful Lives Project. Amazing. Amazing. That's, okay. That is great. Yeah, that's so cool. So the job that you're doing right now that you've been doing now for five years with the Orioles, 
that wasn't a job that existed before you had that discussion with them? That was not a job that they had um, on their staff. That is not a job that a percentage of teams have on their staff currently. It's all about what a team wants to do to help their fans who have disabilities because the the leagues do not want to set tough standards for what teams have to do for fans who have uh, various disabilities. So if you study what a sports team does, it'll fluctuate from team to team depending on how passionate their owner and president are about these types of programs and then also just what type of disabilities they're interested in accommodating and working with. Amazing. Amazing. That's so that doesn't surprise me necessarily. I guess maybe it does a little bit, but I assume there's other teams, uh, not just baseball, but other organizations around the country that don't have any type of disability consultant, right? Oh, yes. There are teams who don't have disability consultants and have no desire to do such programs. I have emailed with every single professional sports team in the country wow. except for two, and I know who does what, who doesn't want to do it, the reasons that they give me, whether those reasons are actually valid or not. And it's really changed my viewpoint on sports. Uh, I don't want you to name anybody, but what do they say? Is there an example of the type of thing they tell you like, hey, well, we're just really busy or do they blow you off or? Sometimes they tell me what they're doing for certain disabilities and they are doing really well for certain disabilities. It's typically learning disabilities, people who have autism, um, brain injuries, other, other uh, learning disabilities like that. But when I do a program with Baltimore or with other companies that I'm helping now as I've, as I've broadened my range, outside of sports. I don't focus on three or four disabilities or just focus on people who are blind because I am blind myself. I accommodate every disability and I do whatever needs to be done to ha make sure every disability has a great experience. And every time that I make a choice, I think about how will this affect the range of about nine to 10 different disabilities and nine to 10 different groups of people. And I try to make the most cognizant choice that will best benefit these nine to 10 groups every single time that I choose to do something or I tell a staff member that they should do something or change this or think about this in a certain manner. Wow. Did anyone, ins anyone inspire you? Did, did you one day say like, hey, you know what? I mean, you could just live your life like we, I mean, I, I don't have, uh, I don't know. I don't have something that I can really, I mean, I guess we do. We champion mental health here a bit. I went through addiction myself, opioid addiction, and it really changed my life. And I really became a lot more connected to it. And I like to work with other people to try to help them. That's why I'm working on my mental health master's program right now. But, um, I mean, you could have just gone about your life and just lived life, but you wanted to make a difference. Is that fair to say? I'm not trying to make it cheesy either. I'm just curious. What the former Evansville head men's basketball coach Marty Simmons did with giving me the opportunity to sit on his basketball bench and be able to experience college basketball greatly changed my life. I think about Coach Simmons every day for what he did and how I was able to live my dream of being a part of a sports team and being able to experience college basketball. And I want to help other people to live their dreams. I also want them to be able to find employment and to not have to go through the struggles that I went through after having graduated from two different different universities and trying to find a job and people being nervous about giving me a chance because they read that I was blind or they saw it in a video or whatever the case was. Well, let, let me ask you flat out then. Maybe this is an obvious question. Is there flat out discrimination against people who are blind today? 
I would say that it's that way for every disability. People are just really good at at, at hiding it or saying mm-hmm. that it's something else when their main reason is they might not know how to accommodate hiring someone who's blind or deaf or in a wheelchair for a job. Oh, well, there it is. Does the ADA, is that help you at all anywhere? Does that help people at all? Or do you think the ADA is kind of a, it's just there, the American Disabilities Act? It's definitely useful, but after more than 30 years now, it should definitely be updated and there should be, I guess, tougher standards put into it because some of the things in in 30 years, the world as a whole changes a lot, no matter when you're thinking about it. Right. Okay. So, and you said that you're transition or maybe not transitioning, but you're opening up your kind of scope to who you want to work with and you're going to start or you are working with corporations, how would, like, if somebody was listening to this right now and they were thinking, oh gosh, this sounds really good. I want to bring this into my business, um, but I don't really know where to begin. I don't even know, like, what would be like a starting off point kind of thing why they would call you? Well, the starting point would be just have them to email me or call me. I can I can make these programs be as complex as they want them to be. Since mm-hmm. I've been doing my work with Baltimore for the past five years, I've ran their entire disabilities program. So everything that I've done with a sports team can be translated into a company from making jobs accessible to teaching staff how to accommodate people who have disabilities who are coming in to talk about jobs, to go through job placement tests or interviews or things like that, to making the website and the social media accessible, to doing give back programs where a company is able to go out into their community or their city and to help people who have disabilities to experience things in sports or cheerleading or dance or something that might fit with a company's brand or their products. I can do all of these things. So I guess it's best just to have a conversation with that business owner. It could be a large business of thousands of of employees, or they could only have five or 10. I can scale whatever I do to fit whatever a company would, would like me to do for them. Amazing. Okay. That's awesome. We're talking with Bryce uh, Weiler. I said it right. It's Weiler, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. I always question myself. Bryce Weiler. He's on Twitter at Bryce Weiler, B-R-Y-C-E-W-E-I-L-E-R. And also the beautifullives.org is where you can find the foundation. How does that, no, I know you're doing a lot of different things. So the Beautiful Lives is like your own thing that you work on independent of some of the other it, jobs like with the Orioles and other consultation uh, Beautiful Lives is through. separate from my work with Baltimore. When I set up events for them, we just do programs where people of all disabilities can play on the court or the field with sports teams, perform with cheerleading or dance teams throughout the country, experience music, art, and other programs as well. Yeah, it's really good. Your mission's all about helping people, like you said, and, and these activities and events that don't exist for certain people who are being left out, I guess. I don't know how else to say it, but I find I find the fact that some of these companies, groups, organizations, they flat out don't really care. And I know that for a fact about certain issues, but I'm not surprised to hear some of that about disabilities, blindness, whatever the disability may be. And some of them, some disabilities are more, um, they're more obvious than others. I mean, physical disabilities versus uh, mental issues, like you said, uh, autism, you know, I 
worked with people with autism and sometimes it's obvious sometimes if you had Asperger's it's not as clear cut for certain people but I feel like uh, is there a way for us to organize all disabilities I mean there's so there could be so many different types of disabilities you find I I don't want this to be like sound disrespectful but is it overwhelming for people because there's a lot of disabilities and they hear the word and they just be like oh I don't know what to do Yes, because you have to learn so much. You have to sit here and study these things 14 or 15 hours a day, five or six days a week, like I've done for the past five years. And a lot of times people don't want to put that much effort into it. Yeah. that's not, Yeah, you've said that a couple of times already. I guess that's just, uh, that sucks. It bothers me, but I'm not surprised. I live in this country too. So Leanne lives in Canada, but mm-hmm. I'm sure Canada has their issues as well. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Have you ever worked with anybody in Canada? Actually, Canada has a better system to accommodate people who have disabilities than they do in uh, the uh, our country. Yay! Yay, us. Yeah. <laughs> okay. See, Leanne? I knew Canada's always better at everything, except uh, COVID vaccine. They're not very good at that. But. Yeah, no. Yeah. What's this? Um, okay, so, oh gosh, this is just so fascinating. Um, okay, so w- another question that I have for you. Um, if... Okay, so let's say let's say I own a, a corporation, and I decide, you know what, I'm going to call you and I'm going to hire you in. Um, are there things? Well, not a corporation. I guess that's not a good example because they have money. But like a like a small company that might not have like a huge budget to be able to change, you know, a ton of infrastructure or a ton of things. Are there things that can be done? Um, that you could consult them with that would be um, kind of like entry level to kind of get them started to be able to make things easier for people with disabilities. Does that even make sense? Or Yes. For a smaller company, the top three things that I would help them with would be the accessibility of their website for all disabilities, probably putting in more pictures and videos in case someone who has trouble reading text so that they can understand what their company does through videos and pictures, then making those pictures accessible for someone who's blind, which would um, be teaching their staff how to write good uh, alt text captions and then teaching them how to post those onto the website. And -hmm. then doing that exact same thing for social media. So those would be things one and two. And the third thing would be setting up the, the give back programs where staff from that company can go out into their community or town and help do things for people who have disabilities. Those would be the three things that I typically start with, with a smaller company or with a larger company when they tell me that their staff is a little nervous about doing these types of programs for people who have disabilities because they can get in, they can see the value of them, and they can go out into their town or their city and interact with people who have disabilities and see how what they're doing is changing the lives of people of all disabilities. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Is there a way to change... (laughs) I mean, I don't even know what the answer is. I thought about this this week. Is, is there a way to slowly change this lack of desire or fear, whatever it is, when it comes to disabilities turning people away from actually creating change? Is there one little thing that we could slowly start to do to kind of reduce that uh, a constant barrier that happens? I would say no. You have to hope that that each individual person throughout his or her own mind and heart changes their mind and heart over time. I know that sometimes there are companies that I want to help and the current leadership team really doesn't want to do anything. So I check every so often to see if they've changed CEOs or presidents or things like that. (laughs) And to see if there's someone new that I can then 
contact and reach out to. Boy, that it seems like uh, I don't know. Seminars are boring. I don't know some type of event that could be enlightening. Aren't corp, aren't companies and whatever we call them these groups and organizations aren't they trying to enlighten their employees and have constant professional development things? It seems like some of this could be built into that type of uh, method. Now I've given panels and speeches before and those work fine. It's a lot simpler when you have a CEO or a staff member who wants to do these type of disability programs and they just let me do whatever needs to be done because I know what, what needs to be done. A panel or a speech doesn't necessarily get change going, but it's a good start if they think their staff is a little lacking in the excitement over doing these types of programs. Yeah. Now you said, you said that, um, you kind of, um, it's not just, you know, um, one or two disabilities. What are the, do you mind sharing the like nine or 10 that you kind of try to incorporate when you're, when you're doing your consulting? People who have learning disabilities, those who are blind, those who are deaf, people who have wheelchairs, people who use <clears throat> walkers, people who have brain injuries. So there's one mm -hmm. category of, of those groups plus a couple more. Plus you have to think about, you have to go about it a different way if someone developed each of those disabilities partway through their life because right. they can remember a time when they could see or when they could drive themselves or when mm. they didn't have to be in a wheelchair. So you have to think about it in two separate subsections. Wow, yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Well, if you guys have any questions, uh, we are live here with Bryce Weiler. I'm sure he's happy to answer any questions within reason, of course. But, you know, our audience is very, very reasonable, of course. This is the First Day Pod. First Day Pod, protonmail.com. First Day Pod on Twitter and all your standard issue social media platforms we're talking with bryce weiler here we're talking about disabilities and you know bryce is blind but there's a lot more going on in his life bryce what is, what do you uh what is the best time you've ever had what is one of the funnest things you could imagine if you could get a free day to do whatever the hell you want what would it be i've already done the things that i've wanted to do mm -hmm. in my life that was sitting on the evansville basketball bench in college and and being able to commentate over 150 games now on the radio as a blind radio analyst and and blind sports broadcaster. So I'm dedicating my life to giving back to others and to help them to live their dreams in life. Yeah, that's badass. You also did something else, uh, which I thought was really cool. I've never done it. I've always wanted to do it. And that was you threw out the first pitch in an Orioles game. That was badass. Uh, yeah, I forgot that I sent you guys that video. So my <laughs> friend uh, was managing the Minnesota Twins, Paul, at that uh, back in 2016, and that's when I went out to talk to the Orioles staff about being their disability consultant, and they uh, let me throw out the first pitch to uh, Paul and, and my friend Joe, um, who was the Twins bench coach at the time, who has a son who's partially blind, uh, came out there with me, and it was really a great experience having some of my friends in baseball out there with me on the field. Yeah, we're showing it live here on the on the stream. That was a nice throw. We're showing it here live on the uh, video stream. Very cool. It was a little high, but you know, Mister Mister Molitor was still able to catch it, so it was good. <laughs> yeah, there there it is. There's Paul right there. Wow, that's cool. He's not even the manager anymore. This is five years ago. Yes. Okay. Uh wow, man. I would say though, the velocity was rock solid. So yeah, it was a little high, <laughs> but at least you didn't uh, you didn't pull a fifty cent or some of the other crazy. <laughs> We've seen what 50 cent in that one. I think it was a pop star, the all time two worst 
<laughs> first pitches we've ever seen. So you definitely beat those. Uh, Ed, live in our audience, says, wow, that's awesome. So Ed's impressed. It's not easy to impress Ed. <laughs> he usually has questions or something around here. Well, that's um, cool. I bet Ed wants to throw out a first pitch. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, okay, so this is going to be – so you um, – what is it called that you do when you're when you're um, broadcasting? So I announcing? analyze games announcing. on the radio, and yeah. I work as a second broadcaster along with the play-by-play broadcaster, describing what's taking place on the court or the field. Okay, and then what do you? So what do you do? What's your? What are you I doing? I study facts on the players and coaches. I basically study the play-by-play broadcaster that I'm working with, and whatever he or she does bad, I pick up for them. If they struggle at telling, at tracking stats, I track stats for two or three hours, and I talk about consecutive turnovers or missed free throws or whatever the case might be. If they're really good at doing stats, then I tell more stories about players and coaches for an hour. Basically, I make the the play-by-play broadcaster that I'm working with he or she be as as good of a star and a broadcaster as they can be for that game so they can use that game hopefully for their um you know um for more broadcasts to come to help them to get more work or to further their uh, career in uh, broadcasting but i just talk about the game and what's going on and facts on the players and coaches things like that cool so when so when you did that you were were you doing the play-by-play or more of the color no. commentary, like you're saying, right? A color commentary, but it, it is not often referred to that as much anymore. What do they call it now? Analyst. Oh, oh I see. You. I didn't even know that. I grew up with color commentator. That's how it was back in the day. So that's good to know. I'm an analyst. I do fantasy baseball analysis. So yeah, but I've never. I've been on TV only locally. I've never. I've been on the radio, but only on my college radio. So that was it. <laughs> But I did do a Michigan game, you know, because I went to Michigan, and that was one of the coolest things I ever got to do, sit in the big house and up in the press box and do a couple quarters of Michigan-Minnesota. That was pretty cool. Wow. That, wow. that was a lot of fun. But I I love sports. I always have. And you seem to have a passion for sports, too. Is, do you have uh, other passions beyond that? Obviously, you're working stuff, but, you know, you know music, wow. uh my work is definitely what makes me happy. I'll spend time with my three uh, younger sisters. I'll, I'll go to their sporting events or I'll play board games with them or go out and shoot baskets in our shed or or whatever the case might be. But if I'm not doing something like that, you'll find me figuring out email formats to contact more companies to help do programs with people who have disabilities or studying up for speeches or podcasts such as this one. And that's typically what I do six or seven days a week. Oh. Ed has a question. Ed wants to know. He's in our audience. Ed says, so do you use, this sounds pretty simple, I think. So do you use a Braille computer? So my computer does talk to me. It was talking to me earlier, but I hit the, I I hit a key to make it stop. And I don't have Braille on the keyboard. I just base everything off of the little dot that everybody has on their F key and on their J key. And from those two dots, I know where every single key is on the keyboard. Oh, yeah. I always wonder what those are for. There they are. <laughs> I know. I didn't know. Did you know that, Leanne? I did. I did. Oh, well, yeah. look at me. Because I do, I do a lot when I'm, when I'm right, like when I'm doing it at night, you can't see the keyboard. So that's, it ends up helping. So it Mine totally makes up, so. sense. Well, fancy pants. Um, <laughs> this is, okay. So I have another, okay. So here's a question. 
just because I cannot get over your your dedication to this and sales is one of the most difficult things and you're selling yourself every single day you're emailing all of these people and getting rejected a lot and that is one of the things that like when we're in sales that's a really really tough thing so would you be able to kind of talk to the audience about that like about your mental state when you're reaching out to these people and they're just not getting it and they're like how do you just keep going oh, your subject line is the most important thing that's how i get a lot of my responses back my subject line is always speaking with you as i am blind and everybody responds back to that oh okay well <laughs> okay that's Good. Yeah. you got to find out what works that's and handy as far as people who turn me down it doesn't really bother me because you, you can't get everyone to let you do what you want to do. But I just value the ones who, who give me the opportunity. I have the harder time with the ones that I know need to fix something and they don't want to fix it. I was talking to a major company the other day who had 135,000 Twitter followers and they're not making their social media accessible for all disabilities. And I've told their four um, co-founders and their four main staff members, two of which are their co-founders, that they should fix this three times now over a six-month period, and they've done nothing with it. I have a harder time with that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That's frustrating. What's their What's their excuse why they're not doing that? They tell me that they are, but I know they're not. Yeah, the same that you was talking about earlier. Like the responses yeah. are just blow-offs, and oh well, you know, we're working on it. Blah blah blah. They could just string you along forever, but you've had enough experience to know when someone's messing with you or not or if they're just exaggerating yeah mm -hmm. i've studied enough twitters and, and websites and social media accounts that i know how it should be and <laughs> i can tell when they're not making an effort to change it yeah well, that's, that's a good thought though leanne yeah i'm glad you asked that this is a mental health podcast to you know we focus on mental health addiction I'm sorry, but we I also learn normal sunday <laughs> no no not at all this is it's a mental health podcast, but it's about learning too. This is like an educational podcast in the end. So we really have no limits. We can do whatever we want, whenever we want. Plus it's our pod, so we can talk to whoever the hell we want to, <laughs> whenever we want to. So that's the good news. Yeah. If, I'm curious, and you don't have to share if this is too personal, but uh, any mental health roadblocks with disability that you, have you worked with counselors or anything during your life? Or is no. it just, you've always accepted this because this is how life well, always was. Well, so since I was born blind, it didn't really bother, bother me. I used to stutter more. I still do it some, but when I started commentating games on the radio, they told me you can't do that anymore. And I somehow just got better with it. I don't know what happened. I what? still do do it sometimes, but you know, I don't really know how to tell people how to get over stuttering. Some people can, some people never can. And it's, it's it's quite all right if you don't. I actually talked to a pretty high-profile sports um, newspaper man the other day who stuttered a good amount, and it didn't bother me, and it bothered him more than it bothered me. Because mm. you know, going through it when I was younger, I used to do it a whole lot more. And I don't know how I got over it, what happened, but I'm glad that I've been able to, to, to cut down on that. Beautiful. That is seriously incredible. You're talking in public. You're speaking. You're not just talking. You're announcing and you're, you have to not stutter and you just did it. That's, that's like a miracle. That's really incredible. I don't think people understand. There's, people do understand because as we all know, you know, public speaking is one of the biggest fears of a lot of people, but to have a stutter too, that's really impressive, man. And I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. That's, that's incredible. Good for you. Yeah. 
Uh, We're talking live with Bryce Weiler here on the First Day Podcast. And Bryce has his website, Beautiful Lives Project. It's all right here on our, which, you know, if you can see the stream, beautifullives.org. But if you're on the podcast version, I'm telling you that because it's only audible. And we want to make sure that we convey, hell, Leanne, I don't even know if we've... blind who is listening, they they probably can't see what you have on the screen. Right. That's why I just said it for the podcast. But then I even thought now, Leanne, I don't know if we've really covered all the, I mean, we do a podcast, we do a live stream. So if you're blind, you can't hear, hopefully you get one of those. But if there's other issues like learning disorders and like you mentioned, brain injuries and stuff, I don't know. There's probably more disabilities we're not covering and we should probably look into that, to be honest with you, because we really do want to be as accessible as possible. This is not a niche thing like fantasy baseball where I do the podcast. We talk about fantasy baseball. It's more of a little of a, a little bubble of a world. This is for everybody. Nobody is not allowed. Nobody's excluded from this conversation. This is worldwide. So maybe we can learn from Bryce on that too if you, you know. I can tell you keep- that the color schemes you may have used for your screen or for your background or your effects or your graphics, some colors are better for people with autism than than others. I'm really bad with colors because they mean absolutely nothing to me. <laughs> so when I'm telling a company how to do things for people who have autism, I have to go to my color chart and just research if it's children or whatever. And I can't even tell you what goes with what I think light colors are better for children with learning disabilities and autism. But like I said, colors are just words that I say and type out when I'm helping companies. So I have to go to my chart when it's time for that. That makes sense. We have a uh, comment from the audience here. To be honest, I fear going blind. I've been told that I have a degenerative disease that increases my probabilities of being blind. Meeting people like you gives me hope. I think that's a great thing to hear. And I think if you somehow do happen to go blind or or partially blind, the most important thing is to be willing to accept help from others because you probably won't know how to use a cane when you start or how to read Braille unless you start practicing those items beforehand. And and you definitely will, will need help. And that's the hardest thing people who don't have disabilities have have to accept sometimes is is asking for help and it's even harder when someone develops their disability part way through their life mm. Great yeah advice. that's to have one experience for a majority of your life and then have a new one that could be well i've had some myself i mean i wouldn't call addiction a disability but it certainly was a hell of a hell of a life-changing event for myself but or maybe they do call it a disability i don't know i mean it's a mental health issue Anyways, I'm not here to debate that. I was going to ask you that because we didn't really cover this either. I assume that you have to have people that live with you or help you out or are you able to just function on your own? I can live by myself when I travel places. I find someone to guide me or whatever the case might be. So I can I can live quite fine by myself. I cook microwavable meals and just just learn my routes from place to place. I have someone instruct me how to do that and I use a cane. So, oh gosh, it's so awesome. So you, how old are you? I'm 30. I'm 30. Yeah, come on. You're We're 40. Dec- You're not old. Decade younger than us, hon. So yeah. You're fine. <laughs> um, so have you seen like, cause 30, you've, you've been around here for a little while. So have you seen, um, like any improvement in, um, the way that people 
react to people with disabilities? Is it is it improving at all? Are people more open or accepting? You're talking not just companies. You're just no. I don't mean companies. No, I just mean in general. Um, you know, when I was growing up, um, my sister had a um, um, she had a, a foot issue, so she was in braces for like growing up. Um, and so I've always seen, um, the way that like people just dismiss people, like kind of like what you were talking about in the beginning. Um, and so that's in, in hiring, but it just in, in general. Um, but I'd like to think that that's changing, that people are being, becoming more, um, accepting, uh, just in general. It depends where you're at in the country. When I was in graduate school at Western um, by Macomb, um, which is by uh, Chicago, about two hours away from Chicago, it was a story that I tell when I when I start my speeches about the struggles of me find uh, of me finding someone to eat with me in the cafeteria and how no one would help me and they'd walk by me and tell me they were scared to guide me and things like that and how I had to go walk into the cafeteria. And I had to ask random tables of students whether or not they'd be willing to eat with me or to help me. It all depends in the part of the country that you're in, in whatever country that might be, U.S., Canada. I know Chicago, people tend to rush or rush around a lot and they don't really mm -hmm. want to help you as much. And that's where a large portion of those students were from, was from the uh, Chicago area. And I was mm -hmm. out on the East Coast in uh, Hartford and it was a great struggle to find people there who who wanted to help me because, you know, um, Northeast people, they kind of do the same sort of thing, rush around. But you can always find someone. It's just how 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 hard or how willing are you to try as hard as it's going to take to get done whatever you need to get done or whatever you're trying to achieve or accomplish. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah, I was thinking about this earlier and I slipped my mind, but I wanted to get back to it. Because I'll even, I'll just be honest. You know, when we first got on this, I know we're going to do the interview. I, I don't really f get nervous for interviews, but I'm like, oh, I don't want to say the wrong thing. He's blind. And I think that right there is an honest, I'm just going to be honest about it. Like, what if I disrespected him? And I wonder, this is the kind of fear. I'm not saying it's founded or legitimate at all. I'm just talking to I'd just rather be honest and frank about stuff. And I think this is what happens where people, like you said, they don't want to learn. They don't want to understand because it might take time and effort. So they live in fear or just rather ignorance completely. And I got to tell you, I, I don't want to live like that. I, I got, I'll be even more honest. Like I, I'm afraid of old people, like really old people sometimes like freaks me out and there's no basis for that. And that's just totally discriminatory and it's ageist. And I get that, but I'm, just being honest about these fears that I have because I don't have enough experience with certain types of people. If I've lived a sheltered life, which I have to a certain extent, in some areas I have, others I haven't. I've been around, but um, I don't know. I I just find this really enlightening, and I'm, I'm just always going to be truthful on the show. So I want to thank you for being on the show and mm -hmm. really answering every question we've had so far. And uh, you can speak to that if you want to. I don't really need an answer. I just wanted to share that. I have an I... answer for you, actually. Oh, great. Go ahead. Um, well, first of all, it's my job to answer every question. So if you did, if you asked me something that I didn't like, I would have created a tactful answer to get out of it and move on to the next <laughs> one. I've been doing these a long time. Um, so what I thought was interesting that, that you said right there, you were explaining your fears. 
and instead of saying you or Bryce, you you started calling me him, which I thought was, I guess, interesting mm -hmm. because I've had that happen a lot when I'm sitting at a restaurant and people don't know that they can ask me what I want to eat or drink. So they ask whoever I'm sitting with, what does he want to 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 eat or what does he want to drink? So maybe like in your fears of that, you were, I don't know, going back into a safer place. So, I mean, it didn't bother me because I've, I've had that happen uh, over a hundred times in my life, but I just thought that that was interesting. That was the first time you had actually done that. And you could have been, you know, speaking in second or third or fourth person or, or whatever type of, of, you know, English that would be that I always got B's and C's in, in school as well. <laughs> Me <so>. too. <laughs> I, when we started the show, I, I was like, okay, what do we do here? But I feel much more comfortable now. So I was, I was trying to get that out. I was trying to say, I felt a little nervous about making sure that there was no disrespect done to you or to the community at large living with disabilities. But now, you know, we're 40 minutes in and I've, it's all gone now. I, yeah, I don't, a good time. You're, yeah, you're mm -hmm. an honest guy. Bryce, you talk directly, and I appreciate people like that, especially since I'm one of those, and I'm willing to put my own idiosyncrasies out there to try to help other people. And I've gotten messages from people that say, hey, you know what? That actually helped me. I, so if it helps one person, it could help more. And it sounds really cheesy to some people, but doing these types of conversations in a public forum yeah. I think it, I think it makes it. I know it makes a difference. I know it. Yeah, and I agree. I was um, so I was really excited when you were coming on, Bryce. But then I was like, I have that document that like most people don't even like. They can read it very simply, and they don't, and they don't answer any <laughs> of the questions. And yeah, I like how you were right on it. And what I love the most is even though you answered every question on it, you were like, can you please put that into a Word document so then I can give you, like you you knew exactly like what you needed to ask instead of like making it like a, like a weird thing. Like, oh, I can't, because it's yeah. a, it's a, which made me actually think, okay, this document needs to change. The boxes, I guess, that was probably what was throwing no, the it boxes off. boxes were fine, so. Okay. I've never liked using those Google Forms bef in the oh, past, okay. and I've and I've never done it until now. But I'm like, all right, I'll try it because that is how they sent it to me. So I had no problem filling it out. Like it yeah. was slightly cumbersome, but maybe like 20 to 25 seconds cumbersome every oh, okay. question, whereas a Word document would have been simpler. So I got to the end. I'm mm -hmm. like, all right, great. I've answered all the questions. I've done a good job. I checked my spelling the best I could, yeah. and I said, all right, now where is the submit button? Great. There is no submit button. Well, goodness, am I going to lose all my answers? So I thought, okay, oh, I'm going to have to go back out of this. So, so that is then when I, when I emailed you and I'm like, I think I may have lost all my answers because I couldn't find a submit oh. button that you emailed me back. And I'm like, no, you answered. And uh, you told me that I answered them great. And they were yeah. all there. So then I learned that, that I guess Google forms, I guess, captures oh. all the answers. It would just be nice if they had a submit button for the, I guess, um, understanding or the knowledge 
of someone who's blind to know that your answers have been saved permanently because yeah. I honestly thought that I had lost them and I was in the process of copying and pasting what I'd typed wow. in that whole document into a Word document because I was oh actually going to make you a Word document of my answers, oh. but, but then you said it was good, so I didn't have to. Oh, I'm glad I got on it right away then. You did. <laughs> okay, so. Because I was really stressed are you out. <laughs> oh, are you, oh, geez. Uh, are you listening, really Google? Google, are you hearing this? Yeah. Watching this? Google's always watching, so I bet they'll <laughs> absorb this into their algorithm or something. Yes. Oh, I hope they would. Yeah. And wow. it's funny that you it's funny that you bring that up because it's not just for blind people. Like I I have a lot of people A that hate Google documents. Like they just <gasps> they're like, nope, I'm not gonna do it. Like book club, for instance, some of the people in, in book club are just like they refuse to use it. So they're like, it's just too difficult. So they'll just give me the answers that I want in an email and be like, Can you fill out the form? So which is totally fine. I'm totally okay with, but um that is good to know. So I'm going to, I'm going to use that as something going forward. Um, I just think that a word document with three blank lines between each question would be so much simpler because then people can save it how they want. They can email it back to you yes. and they just know that it's good. Yes. Well, this is how things get better because feedback. That's yes. what every, we need it. Every company needs it. Every individual person needs it. So thank you. That's good. Yes, I appreciate it. Uh, we have a comment from the audience here. Ed says, that makes me sad. This was about our conversation a couple minutes ago. Sad about the state of humanity. Some people act so busy thinking what they are doing is so important. What could be more important than making a difference in someone else's life? Yeah. Well, I just think people sometimes they're selfish and they don't think about others and they just think about themselves and the goals and dreams they're trying to achieve in mm -hmm. life. And they don't think about how they can help others to achieve whatever their goal and dreams might be and how those goals and dreams can come together to make fantastic things to help others and to give back to people. You are so wise for such a young man. This is so amazing. Too many years yeah. of people telling me I can't do things or not wanting to help me makes makes me old and wise, I guess. <laughs> Look yeah, at well, you. Yeah, like I'm you so proud, yeah. You've been asked a lot of questions. So, you, I mean, this is what you do. So you connect with people and you learn. You've probably learned a lot more than a lot of other people have your age, to be honest with you, because yeah. I remember when I was 30, I wasn't, I wasn't as curious about the world, to be honest with you. I was trying to do things that I enjoyed, but what we do now and what we do with this show, it's light years ahead of where I was 10 years ago. So uh, I don't think that being any less uh, connected with people will, will be, it won't be useful. I mean, if you're, if you're going to dismiss other people and you're not going to connect and learn, take five minutes of your day to understand someone, especially if you work somewhat with somebody, if you work with somebody who has a disability and you don't get a chance to really understand their situation so that you could be of service to them because you're going to be working with them regardless, then I feel like that's a failure. And I think about all the jobs I've had. I used to have a ton of jobs, trust me, when I was younger. <laughs> and boy, I've I made a lot of mistakes. It's just flat out. I, I can see it right now. Just off this conversation, I can already, I can see the lessons that I'm learning now, which, you know, good for me. That's good for me. But not everybody's going to be as introspective as me and Leanne or even yourself are. And that's where the problem lies, as you were just explaining. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer, there's no answer here, right? I mean, we're not, we're not doing the show to come to one giant conclusion as we start to close the show here. I, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you would like to uh, express to the people? 
No, we've had a good discussion. I mean, you can't come to a conclusion on the subject matter we've been discussing because each person has to make up his or her own mind and decide whether they need to alter what they're doing, if they should reach out to more people who have disabilities, be more accepting, whatever the case might be. And each own individual person person has to answer that in his or her own heart and his or her own mind. That's beautiful. Um, can I, do we have just like a couple more minutes? Can yes. I, can I just ask a couple questions that are specific about, um, about people that are blind? So, yeah. okay. So for me, I'm very, um, like, Mike can attest to this. When I'm out, I like to say hello to everybody and I wave at people and when I'm on walks and um, there's a gentleman um, that I go on, like I go on a walk on a trail and I always see him and he has his cane and um, he's always by himself. And I'm always unsure because I want, I always say good morning to him, but then, and I know this is very specific, but anyway, I don't know, do, do I go, should I be like walking like really out of his way to give him space or just like any, like just make sure that I, I don't walk into him kind of thing. Like what are some of the things that we should be doing? So then we're not hypersensitive and we're kind of, do you know what I'm saying? Yes. If you don't want to have a conversation with this person, just walk by in your normal lane. Mm -hmm. But if you're not paying attention and you just veer into his lane, I guarantee you he will notice because it sounds like he walks his trail a lot by himself. Mm -hmm. And there are probably a whole bunch of people not paying attention and he has to mm -hmm. quickly um, avoid them. But if you ever do decide you want to visit with him and talk with him, just feel free to do that. And if he turns you down two or three times in a row, well, he doesn't want to talk to you. He just wants to walk every morning. But yeah, yeah. I also just, I mean, you've obviously put lots of thought into this. I'm just curious as to why you've never really had a conversation with him about life or walking or well, travel or whatever the case might be. Um, I do. Like, I don't have a conversation. I just like, I will say, you know, good morning. And then sometimes he'll say good morning. Sometimes he won't. So I'm like, okay, he's on a, a mission. Um, and then if I, you know, say good morning and then I ask how you, how are you doing? Like just the way that I do with all the strangers on the, on the trail. Yeah. Um, and then, but he's very, um, he's just not talkative. He could just, be listening for echoes, sound patterns, and things like that. So, but just, right. So, if that's the case, just walk in your normal lane and don't do anything different because he's fine. It sounds yeah. to me like he's really concentrating on where he's going and listening yes. to the changes in the sidewalk or the trees or open spaces and things of that nature. So, he knows yeah. how to properly navigate through this trail. Yes. Yes. And that is, but I was just, yeah, because sometimes like, I feel like I should just, yeah, thank you very much, Bryce. Because I just sometimes feel like I should be walking, like getting up on the grass and giving him more space. But then I'm like, I don't do that with other people. So why do I feel it's, it's. He's going to hear that you walked into the grass. <laughs> and then he's going to yeah. be like, oh, who's that person who didn't think I could walk down the trail? <laughs> right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. See, these are, I just wanted to bring it up because I knew that it was kind of silly how hypersensitive we get because we're just you know, it's not an every day or every second kind of thing. Um, okay. That's, that's really, really good. Um, another thing is, so I am also a helper 
So I want to always be like, oh, can I, can I help? Like, I just do this with everybody. Like, oh, can I put your cart away? Oh, can I open the door for it? Oh, can I do that? And I'm That's realizing, hard. yes. And I'm realizing like, this is, this is awful to say, but I rarely do that now for older people because I've noticed that people that are in their sixties and seventies, they look at me and they're like, I can do it myself. And so I like kind of don't offer my help to, but if there's, is it offensive for me to be asking if there's like a blind, somebody that's blind or somebody that has a disability to ask them if they need help? Do they take like, and I guess this is an individual thing kind of thing. If it they depends would take- whether they developed their disability partway through life or if they've had it their entire life. Mm. If they developed it partway through their life, they could be kind of rude towards you mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they can remember back to when they didn't need help, but you shouldn't just, you shouldn't just ask no one if they need help because there was a time one time where I got lost when I was in graduate school when it was zero degrees outside in February and I don't wear gloves because I have to feel where I'm going, feel the mm. cracks in the sidewalk and mm. um, the changes in in uh, terrain and I got lost because there was snow. So I actually walked in, into grass, which kind of felt like a sidewalk, but it was covered with snow. So oh, I was gosh. asking all these people whether or not they would help me. And they all kept walking by, going to their classes. And finally, there was a girl who stopped. And I'd spoke to a, to a group she was in three weeks earlier. Mm-hmm. And she talked about how hearing my speech really changed her mind towards helping me because she'd seen me walking around campus before, but didn't really know how to help me or even felt kind of nervous about it. And mm-hmm. she helped me get inside. And thankfully, my hands didn't have frostbite, but I was kind of nervous about that. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. Okay. Very yeah, because nice. because you're right. It I, but that's just it's also just people. Like some people, like I'll just help every. Like I want to help everybody, and some people are just rude, or they they, and you don't know what their defense mechanism is either. If they're you know, and that makes it. I never thought really about the difference between if you were born with it or if it was like an on later onset. That's really a fascinating kind of distinction, but. Yeah. Bryce, you are just, you are so amazing. Like, even if I'm going to tell you, even if you weren't blind, everything that you have accomplished by the time you're 30 is incredible. Like it's, and now the fact that you've done this and also had that disability on top of it, like, I'm just so impressed by you. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for answering every question. Um, Yeah, you're just incredible. I really enjoyed talking to both of you and thank you both for having me on and giving me the chance to listen to some of the great questions from your audience as well, who's been tuning in and enjoying our conversation. Yes. Thank you. I completely agree. This has been what we expect. We love to do this show. We get to learn something new every week. So we thank you all for interacting with us and we thank Bryce so much. Again, you can follow Bryce on Twitter at Bryce Weiler, W-E-I-L-E-R. Beautiful lives dot org is his website the foundation and next week we'll be back i'm sure we got the book club on monday night or are we off because it's more Day weekend no we're doing it and we're doing um you'll see it when you believe it and we're doing chapter one and ed is going to be heading it up this week so i'm super excited for oh, that wow. we're changing it up in this book so um each member of the book club is going to take on um a chapter so um, and there's Ed right there. So what does that have to say? Ed Bryce, says Bri- you- Go ahead, say it. 
Bryce, you are a beautiful human being. Oh, thanks so much, Ed. <laughs> See, Ed, he appreciated that. But yes, Ed will be running the book club tomorrow. Book club every Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. If you want to be a part of our First Day Pod book club, where we try to learn, get better, and grow, then just DM us on Twitter, Facebook, any Instagram, or email the show, First Day Pod. Should we just... It should just be Gmail. We're just using Gmail. Why are we using the Proton Mail anymore? Let's just give it up. But I don't know. Either way, first day pod, first day pod, protonmail.com, first day pod at gmail.com. It's a mess over here, Bryce. It's a total <laughs> mess, but we've had a good time. Thank you, Bryce, for being here, and I really appreciate it. Thanks again. Thanks, guys. Yes, thank you. Bye.